Welcome to another week of me jamming on a topic that I am passionate about and that I want to share with the world and with you. Uh, so to get you up to date with what I'm up to, if if you haven't maybe had time to listen to my little voice in a while, I am now doing weekly live streams on Instagram. Uh, I started doing it at the beginning of this lockdown phase as a way to just stay inspired. I started doing it on Monday mornings and my idea was that we would have a conversation about something that we are passionate about, that that matters. Uh, This could be different ways of thinking, mindsets, hacks (laughs) or uh, something else. I talked about publishing, writing, being an author. Uh, I gave some um, tips and thoughts on visualization and how I get through hard times. And this week we talked about life as an independent artist. Now, this, first of all, is obviously a very important topic for me because this is my life. I have built my life as an independent artist. Uh, I want to start right away with saying that with artists, I don't just mean a musical artist. I mean creator, really. Because the principle for how you create a life as an independent artist or author or photographer or painter or (laughs) any other creative pursuit, the principles are the same. I have been an independent artist, (laughs) and I should specify an independent songwriter, recording artist, and author for 10 years now. And the whole philosophy that I have built my life on is a philosophy called 1000 True Fans. Um, So I will jump into this in this podcast, but I really want to say once again, this It's not just if you're a musician or if you dream about becoming a musician or an author. This is if you want to create a life on your own terms, doing whatever you're doing. This philosophy is for those who want to design and shape their own careers on their own terms. So having said that, this is actually a a workshop that I have traveled around Europe a little bit teaching at different music colleges. Um, I recently taught this at BIM in Berlin. And I have been in England teaching this workshop a little bit and in Sweden. And it's something that I'm really passionate about, mostly because usually in colleges, you're not really being taught all the different ways you can build a creative career. There are no set rules today. And let's start here. I know that there's a lot of discussion about, you know, royalties and how much does Spotify play and how do you make money as an artist today, as if it would be a hard time to be an artist today. But in my opinion, it has never been a better time to be a creator in the world because today you have, first of all, all the tools available to create exactly the life that you want to live. You can learn anything you want for free. Just open up YouTube and sit down and learn what you need to learn. Second of all, you know, just like 15 years ago, 
when I actually picked up a guitar and started writing songs, this independent artist life wasn't really a thing. I'm sure they were independent artists, but it wasn't as accepted as it is today. You had to go the traditional route. You had to get a major label behind you and release albums. And, you know, you couldn't do things in your way. You had to put yourself in line and be an artist the traditional way. Today, you don't have to go to a label. You can do this exactly as you want to do it. So I want to start with telling you a little bit about my own journey as an independent artist, how I ended up here, so that you know that I am eligible to talk about the subject, but also because uh, that will answer a lot of questions. Before I did the live stream about this topic, I asked you to send me any questions you have regarding being an independent creator. And one of the most common questions I got was, why do you choose to be independent? Um, and this is, you know, it's a great question, but I think just telling my story will answer that question. So let's go back in time. I started writing and recording songs when I was 15 years old. I did not grow up in a musical household. I didn't take any lessons, but I discovered music when I was around 14 and I was just hypnotized. So I bought myself a guitar. I taught myself some chords. I bought a microphone and I taught myself the recording program Pro Tools. And I just started to record very simple acoustic demos. Then I went to a, a music high school where we learned the fundamentals in production, a little bit of mixing. Uh, we got to write songs, but most of all, that was the first time that I was around people who were writing and playing and creating music every single day. So this, in, you go to high school in Sweden, it's called gymnasium, when you're 16, 17, 18, three years. And those were the years that I really got serious about songwriting. I think it was maybe middle of the second year there that I decided I am going to move to London after this and I'm going to be a songwriter. So I moved to London when I was 18 years old, right after high school. I didn't know anybody there. I had no connections. I didn't really understand the music industry. Uh, it wasn't anything that we learned in school. I didn't know anybody who kind of was doing what I wanted to do. I just knew that I loved writing songs and that's all I wanted to do. I recorded my first EP when I was around 19 years old and I released it by myself. This was mostly because I just wanted to put something out there. So I started with uh, being very active on social media. So this is 10 years ago. Twitter and Tumblr were my biggest channels. I grew my following on Tumblr and Twitter completely. I found people who liked the, the very simple little acoustic demos I put out. I had posted them on MySpace and I was just hustling, you know. I wanted to maybe ultimately be in a band. I wanted to tour and I just wanted to do everything to get to play music. The next step after my EP was that I signed my very first management deal. This happened because there were two uh, private managers from New York who found me through 
a single that I released in Sweden. It was a, released as a charity single. The single is called I Will Lead You Home. And it, it did very well. It reached the charts in Sweden and those managers found it and reached out and said that they believed in me and they wanted to help me out. Now, I was 19 and very naive and very eager to make it big and be a big star. So those managers flew me over to New York and they uh, let me play some shows there, some showcases for some industry people. And, you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be my big break. They're going to introduce me to all the right people and I'm going to be on tour in a year and everything's going to be fine from now on. But then they started to ask me to send over some new songs that I was working on. And at this time, I was working on my second EP, I think. Um, and they kind of started saying, mm, okay, this is cool, but we were kind of visioning a different route for you. We, we see you more as like an acoustic singer-songwriter. Maybe you can just take away all the production and you know, just keep the guitar and your voice. And... If you have listened to my, my music for a long time, you know that in the beginning, when I started making music, I was doing way more pop rock. It's very much kind of band produced and I, I wanted to be in the band scene. So the idea of me being an acoustic singer-songwriter was just not at all what I wanted to do. Um, and eventually those managers said, okay, well, if you, you don't want to do this singer-songwriter thing, we don't think we can work together because we don't believe that this pop rock you're doing is going to work out. So I was really disappointed, really sad, really heartbroken. But I also realized that rejection is definitely a part of pursuing a dream. You know, you will never just throw yourself out there and have everybody's approval. You're going to have to overcome some hurdles. So I kind of quickly picked myself up. I kept gigging around England, playing acoustic shows, going to a lot of open mics, working on my music and building my social media following. So within a year, within maybe two years actually, I signed two more management deals. And kind of the same thing happened both times. They were really excited in the beginning. They said they believed in me. They promised me this and this and this and that. And after a while, I realized that they just had very different plans for what they think I should be and should do and should sound like than, than I had. So they never really worked out. So after this, I was tired. I was really weak. I had had so many people telling me that I should be something different, that I should do this, I should not do this. And all I wanted to do was make my kind of music. I always felt like I knew what I wanted to sound like. You know, it's really discouraging when you believe in your own vision so much and then you meet people who don't believe in that vision at all. It makes you question and it makes you feel very insecure and not so strong. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> anyway, at this time I had kind of a nice following on social media. I had been very active and I had felt people's support there the whole time. I had let them in on my journey of, of trying to embark on this dream. And at this point, I decided, you know what? I, I am not going to spend my time 
convincing the industry anymore to understand me or to like my songs because I have a following, I have fans who do like my songs. So I'm going to just turn to them. That's when I started my own record label at 21. I was 21 years old and I published my first book and released my first record. I I published my book and released the record together as kind of a bundle. And I did it straight to my fans. Uh, I had no management, no label, no nothing involved. And that was my first proper decision to be an independent artist. Now, my idea then with the first record was still not that I was going to be an independent artist forever. My own little master plan then was that I was going to release my first record and engage my audience and build myself a little glass child empire and platform and world. I wanted to build a world with a glass child, with my writings and my music and my, my philosophy and outlook on life so that the labels and the managements saw me and just thought, we need to jump on board to what she's doing. We need to be a part of this because she is doing something different. And obviously then I could say, look at my audience. People like this. That was my plan. So let's go back to this then. What is an independent artist? Well, in my opinion, there are two different ways that you can go about a musical career. And, and first of all, there is no right or wrong way to do this. There are so many different ways and there is only what is right for you. What is right for me might not be right for you. And what is right for someone else is definitely not what's right for me. So all I can tell you is my way and then you can take the parts that are intriguing to you and then you take other parts from another artist that is intriguing to you. But in my eyes, from the beginning, you can either spend a year or two or however long it takes trying to convince an industry. You chase the management, the record label, the booking agent, and you, you really try to convince them to understand you and to like you. When you have their approval, they will start working with you and they will put you in front of a fan base. Or you can just say, I'm going to go directly to the people who will listen to my music. I'm not going to spend any time trying to convince an industry. I'm going to go straight to the fans. I'm just going to speak to them. I have always been someone who has said, I believe in writing my own story. Do you wait for things to happen or do you make them happen yourself? I am definitely an action person. When I want something, I will make it happen. I will write a plan and I will get to work. So for me, this idea of kind of waiting around for someone to discover me or give me approval or give me, you know, the green light to start releasing music, it was just not my way of doing it. I needed to get out there and start living and start making music and start playing shows. And so the only way for me to do that right away was to just get going. Honestly, if you are someone who is a creator, that is the way you have to do it. Even if you decide to not go the independent route, you want to maybe attract a label or a book publisher or an agency if you're a photographer or whatever. You need to build yourself 
a brand, a personality, a platform. Because when you have done that, no one can come to you and think that they will create you from scratch. See, that's kind of what happened with my first management deals. That I wasn't really defined as an artist enough for them to immediately look at me and see what I was about. So they thought that they could create me and shape me into something that would fit the market, right? Instead, if you build yourself a little bit, you create yourself, you will attract the people who get what you're doing, who likes what you're doing, and who wants to be a part of it. So, lesson number one, I would say to absolutely everybody, do not sign anything with anybody until you have defined yourself. Because if you do, they're going to define you for you. Because you are nothing yet. I hope that makes sense. Now, the next part I want to get to that became really important for me, but it has become more important for me as I have grown up. And actually, if there's anything I could go back to 21-year-old me and tell her, it's this. Take some time and really ask yourself why you are doing this. What are the three biggest priorities in your life? If you could design your own days, your own life, your own future, what's the most important aspect of that? Because the answer to this will throw you in very different directions. For me, the more I grew up, the more I realized that freedom is number one for me. I need freedom in my life. Freedom to move and travel and live anywhere I want, to pack up a rucksack and leave when I feel like it. I need freedom to own my own days, to not have to attend an office from nine to five. I need the freedom to be the owner of my own schedule and day. I need the freedom to change and grow and expand my identity and personality, both when it comes to me as a person, but definitely when it comes to me as a songwriter. I need to be able to explore making pop music, rock music, band music, singer-songwriter. I have been listening a lot to R&B lately. If I want to one day, I want to be able to make a hip-hop feature. You know, I want to be able to just explore and grow and live as wild and strange as I possibly can. I want to write books and create podcasts and learn photography and maybe teach yoga and live in Singapore and live in Germany and live in Barcelona and just do everything that I feel like I want to do. I want to do all that and be all that. And I would also love to be a really big artist with a really great backing who can tour the world and make really high quality, high budget albums. But those two lives don't really go together. These are two different lives. If I have a big corporation behind me, that will not bring me the freedom that I am looking for. The freedom that I'm looking for will not bring me that major label backing that will take me on a big world tour. So the price I pay for the freedom is that I don't earn a lot of money and I don't get a lot of exposure. But someone at a major label, they maybe have the potential to 
earn a little bit more money and do some more high profile gigs and get way more exposure. But the price they pay is that they are not as free as I am. So this is what I teach a lot in my workshops because now we're coming to a very internal work. This is when you start to realize that being an independent artist is actually the best self-development program you can ever throw yourself on because you're going to have to define how you want to live and who you want to be. So for me, when I came to this point after those failed management deals, I realized that my whole career up until that point, I had been living from external driving forces, meaning I wanted to prove people wrong. I was doing everything because I wanted to prove to other people what I could do and who I could be. But when I actually started asking myself what I wanted, I started working from an internal point of view. What matters to me? Why do I do this? Well, I do this because I believe in this and I love writing songs and telling stories and sharing it with people. And I love the, the creative freedom it gives me to be a songwriter. Well, then the answer was kind of easy. I need to decide that I am a free, wild and blooming independent artist, recording artist, songwriter and author. And the day I made that decision, I was free. I was liberated from all those, all the pressure of having to find a label or a management or people who could back me up. I had my stories, my voice, my books, my dreams, my visions and my supporters. And I knew that there were more of those true fans out there, of those supporters that I could find if I just kept doing what I was doing. So at that point, I kind of made the decision to stop trying to impress the industry and instead just do my thing. Embrace what I am and what I love and just live my life that way. It was important for me to get that part in here because... This podcast might sound like being an independent artist is only a lot of hard things. It's tiring, there's no money, it's a lot of work. But, you know, this is why I love it. Because it enables me to create my own life on my own terms. I can fill my days with everything I love and every decision I make on my own. What will bring me the future that I want to live? Nobody else makes my decisions for me. So to, to back it up a little bit, being an independent artist is definitely not for everybody. You need to decide what is best for you. This is exactly the same principles if you want to be an author, because you're going to have to ask yourself, do I want to write freely the book I want to write and believe in and get it out to my readers and write the next book and just keep killing it? Or... Will I spend maybe five or ten years writing book proposals, sending it to agents, to book publishers, maybe find someone who believes in the script and then they will edit it, and maybe, if you're really lucky, you will get this book out on a big publishing house. None of them are wrong and none of them are right. You just have to ask yourself, what will align with the life that you want to live? Now, 
let's say if you want to create a record, you want to create and release a record, there are many different steps that you need to go through in order to arrive at that finished release album. You have to write the songs, record the songs, produce them, mix them, master them. You have to do photo shoots for the artwork, design the artwork. You have to create the website and design the website. You have to maybe produce some videos and you have to start building a platform so that you have people who care about your new release. Then you have to do some PR, marketing, maybe some advertising. You have to create your own opportunities to play your songs live, events, online concerts, festivals, or if you're an author, uh, you can do readings, book readings, meetups, some sort of live event. You need to come up with some revenue streams. How are you going to make money? Because you don't really earn any money from selling an album anymore. So you have to earn money from other things. Uh, you sell merch, t-shirts, I have beanie hats, uh, key rings, notebooks. You can do crowdfunding. I have my Patreon. I have done Kickstarter campaigns. I haven't done this personally, but a lot of people do brand deals. You um, team up with a brand and you promote their products and they pay you for it. There are obviously a lot of more things you can do to promote and create a new record, but I would say these are the fundamentals. So being an independent artist, it doesn't mean that you do all this by yourself. It means that you are in control of making those things happen. So let's say that you actually are signed to a record label and a management, then they would help you find a producer, a mixing engineer, they would find you a, a photographer and arrange the photo shoots. Uh, the label will hand you a product uh, manager or maybe a product designer or someone who will help you package and design the actual album or book. Or um, the label might be handing you a PR agency or they have in-house PR people, etc. You understand the point. So being an independent artist doesn't mean that you do all this by yourself. It just means that you go directly to the people who will help you instead of going through the label. That's why the label is often called the middle hand because they usually stand between the artists and the fans or the artist and the people that actually do things. So let's say, let's say this uh, product manager who will design and package your record so that it looks really good and feels good and the fans will like it. Your label, if you're signed to a label, will have maybe one of those people in their team in-house. So they will hand you that person or they will find a freelancer that they usually work with and communicate to him. As an independent artist, you can just go to that person directly and say, hey, I want to hire you to do this branding, packaging, design. Same with, let's say... Um, PR. Sometimes the label has in-house PR. Sometimes they don't, then they outsource it to a PR agency. But you, as an independent artist, can just go straight to a PR agent, a publicist or a PR agency. This is what I 
think is really important for people to understand. Being an independent author or artist or any other creator doesn't mean that you do everything by yourself. It means that you are now your own project manager and it's up to you to make sure that all those things will happen. So you need to find freelancers or people who are experts at all those areas and you outsource what you cannot do yourself. For example, obviously (laughs) I can't do a photo shoot with myself. So when I need to take photos for press photos or for the album artwork, I obviously find a photographer who who is a professional that I do the photo shoot with. I outsource the instrumentals on my songs to professional musicians. I'm not a drummer, for example. So I find a drummer that I love and I say, hey, could you play drums on my 12 songs? And he says, sure, I would love to. So, important points. Being independent does not mean that you do everything yourself. It means that you take on the role of a manager, of a project manager, and you make sure that everything happens that needs to happen in order to produce the result that you want to produce. Instead of going to the label. Now, there are obviously pros and cons with both being an independent artist and being a signed artist. Too many to list just on a podcast like this and also super individual because every artist and person and author will have a different experience with everything. (laughs) But I can only tell you about my experiences. So some of the cons with being independent is that you obviously don't have the same support in your back from people who can make you seen. For example, if you're signed to a major label, they have a bigger budget so they can help you uh, afford a really great producer, mixing engineer, mastering engineer. They have the connections and resources to get the record or the song promoted on radio or TV, on big banners. They can make you heard if they believe in, in you. As an independent artist, you only earn money from your fans that is the only income you will have so how do you earn money from fans well you have to find people who want to see art from you they will fund your art so that they can enjoy your art and you will survive so the way that i see this I tried to explain this during the live stream. It was easier when I can show it, <laughs> when I could show it visually, but I'll try with just words. So if you imagine a triangle, one, uh, what do you say? One edge is the fans, the fan base. The other edge is the budget that you need to create music, pay your rent, pay some food and survive. And the third edge is you, the artist. So what happens is, The fan base will provide you a little bit of a budget through buying merch, through crowdfunding, Patreon or Kickstarter, through donations, through live shows. I play a lot of online concerts, for example, stage it. Um, Or through buying your CD, book, posters, products. That budget you will use to pay your rent, survive and create a new record, which is 
really expensive to make a record. You will take this budget, make some music, and give it to the fans. So that is the triangle, you see? The fans give you the budget, you take the budget, create art, and give the art to the fans. So what's important to understand here is that you cannot be a sustainable independent artist if you do not have a fan base. To build a fan base, you have to first of all make art that they want. You have to find them, you have to speak to them, and you have to make them want you to create more art, right? So now we're coming into something that is called 1000 True Fans. This is not my invention. This is, I'm going to Google it while I'm speaking. This is originally from a guy called Kevin Kelly. Uh, and it, you know, this is kind of a known famous philosophy that you can use as a creator. And this is how I have built my whole career. So in short, what this means is that he said, you no longer need to have a huge budget to set up a huge banner to reach a mass audience to be able to, to survive on your art. All you need is 1,000 true fans. That's all you need to make a nice living creating something you love. Now what that means, what is a true fan? A true fan is someone who absolutely loves what you're doing. They will go to your concert, buy your book, buy your music, buy your t-shirt, join your crowdfunding campaigns, watch your videos, share it with their friends, and just they just really want you to keep creating what you're creating. That's a true fan. And he said, all you need is 1,000 people of those. Now, honestly, it doesn't sound a lot. You might be like, okay... What you're saying is I only need 1,000 fans to be a star. Well, actually, 1,000 is kind of a lot. I don't have 1,000 people on my Patreon. I have around 100 people supporting me on Patreon. If I had 1,000 people on Patreon, I could definitely fund my life and my music and creating really great things. I am still on my way there, but I can already see that all I really need is some true fans that really want me to keep creating music and they will help me make that happen. So now we're entering yet another chapter of this podcast that is really important to bring up. And that is that if you want to get rich, if that is a big priority for you, becoming an independent artist is not the right way to do this. You will not get rich from being an independent artist. If you visualize this triangle again, the way that I live my life is according to this triangle. That means that everything I earn from my fans is being put right back into creating new music, new books, new creations. You know, I have to invest in equipment, in microphones and, and gear. I have to pay my musicians and mixing engineers and everything. Everything costs a lot of money. Again, I can create this because my fans are giving me the budget to create it so I can give it back to them. But there is nothing at the end of the day that goes into my pockets. I can pay my rent, I can survive, and I'm really happy if I can 
keep making music. But if you want to have a lot of money in your pockets, being an independent artist is not the right way to do it. So if we go back a little bit to when I was going to release my first EP, I had a lot of friends who also wanted to release you know, their first EP and we were fighting together in London at the time. We had our five songs and I was so eager to get my music out there to release something. And so were they. So this is when you have usually two choices. A lot of my friends, they wanted to immediately make a really high quality, full, fully produced, polished EP. They wanted to afford hiring a producer and going to a nice studio and really release it professionally. So to do that, they took a day job so they could get that budget. They worked for a year, sometimes two, so that they could afford going into a studio and produce that record. Now, many times, while they were working that part-time job or day job, they didn't really have the energy to build a platform, a fan base, and really work on their music. So when they released that polished album, they didn't have a following that really cared. The way I did it was that I thought, I have no interest in taking a day job. I am going to spend every day of my life building my own dream. So I thought, I'm just going to work with what I have. I didn't have any money to produce a professionally made record, but I used what I could. So my first albums, my first four EPs and first record was done on zero budget. And I really mean that. I used the microphone that I had bought when I was 14 years old. I used the program that I bought when I was 14 years old. I had beautiful friends who also just wanted to get their names out there who played on the songs, guitar and drums. And I mixed it by myself. I mastered it by myself, even though I'm definitely not a mixing engineer, but I couldn't afford a mixing engineer. So I just had to do what I could. And I released the first record. Now, I have taken that record down since then because, you know, listening back to it now, it's not something that I want to be known for at this point in my career. But at that point, 10 years ago, that was as much as I could create with the resources that I had. And the fact that I did release that record changed everything because now I had a product that I could go to my acoustic shows and I could sell this CD and I could say, I created this by myself in my bedroom. If you buy it for 10 pounds, I can keep doing this because if I sold five albums after a live show, I earned 50 pounds and I could afford a train ticket to the next town. I could afford some food and a cheap bed in a hostel somewhere. And that's all I wanted at the time. I just wanted to survive and get my music out there. Now, slowly, I built my following. And for my second album, I had a following that was big enough for me to say, okay, maybe it's time I can do a crowdfunding campaign. So for my second album, I did a pledge music campaign. I asked my fans and said, hello, <laughs> if you want to see a new album from me, I need your help because it's going to be expensive to hire musicians this time if I want to afford... Uh, maybe a mixing guy and 
you know, printing the CD, I need your help. So anyone who wants me to make this album, please fund my art with anything you can and I will make this album for you. They made that happen and I could start making that record. Still, it wasn't a lot of people who joined that campaign. It wasn't enough to actually make everything happen that I wanted to to do with that record. I couldn't afford a mixing engineer for my second album either. But this album that I am creating now is the first album in my career that I have a big enough following to afford a mixing engineer, a mastering engineer. I've done some music videos. I have done some professional photo shoots. And this is such a victory for me because I never thought I would get to this point where I actually could make a record this way. This took me 10 years. It took me 10 years to get to this point. And again, this is what being an independent artist is about. It is about having patience and seeing your career not as a two-year project. It is seeing your life. Me being an independent artist is not something that I will be for 10 years and then move on. It's my life. So I am working towards 1000 true fans so that one day in my life I can make a record exactly as I want it to be. I can actually afford a producer for the first time. I can do music videos for every song. I can afford going on tour and really meet all of you. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. And... Also, what's important while you, you know, if you decide to be an independent creator, you need to invite your fans with you on the journey because without them, there is no journey. You cannot do this without your fans. They create you. Obviously, you give something back to them. You, hopefully, you give them art that they, that they treasure and enjoy and that helps them, but... This is so important if you want to be someone who goes straight to your fans that you can never take it for granted because they make you happen. Always. Okay, so I hope that I covered most of it. I know I could, I could talk about those things forever. I guess that the main points here to understand is that if you, let's say if we go back to being an author, you are a writer, you want to make a book happen. You can spend two years writing a book proposal and get a publishing house behind you. Or you start building a readership, people who love your writings. You can start on Instagram, on Tumblr, on Pinterest, on YouTube, and you make your own book happen. You publish it by yourself, self-publishing, and your readers will love it. And they will help you make the next book happen. And you you start this triangle of trust. You ask your readers, do you want a new book from me? Then please join my Kickstarter campaign. And then you go and write a book. All right, I'm going to end this, or we're not done yet, but um, I did get a lot of questions about this, which is really nice because it means that you're, you're interested in it like I am. Um, so let's start with DS Hess asked on Instagram. What is essential to have to produce and get your music out there? Well, to produce a record, you need, first of all, knowledge about music production and recording. Again, you can learn this for free on YouTube. Just Google it. There's an endless amount of tutorials out there. 
So you have no excuse to not learn that if you're interested. Um, but maybe, honestly, most of all, you need to know what you're trying to create. So I produce my music myself. I have produced all my records and this new record too. I am not a great producer. I probably couldn't produce another artist, but I know what I want to sound like so much that I can create that sound. When I write a song, I hear in my head exactly how I want the sound to be. So I can just go into my, my program. I use Logic right now and I can produce what I hear in my head. Uh, then you obviously also need some equipment. Uh, you need a vocal microphone, you need maybe some sort of instrument, maybe just a MIDI keyboard so you can program some drums and some keys, maybe a guitar uh, and uh, an interface. Uh, I'm using an interface called Universal Audio and uh, you need a program, Logic, Pro Tools, Ableton, Cubase, and you just need to learn it. Uh, what do you need to get your music out there? Well, you need a platform. You need an audience, people who care about what you do. And then you need some sort of creative way to release the music to your audience. I hope that answered your questions. Sabrina asked a really great question. Do you ever feel stuck in a certain genre? Or has the freedom that you have created for yourself allowed you to feel like you have room to experiment? This is a super good question. So first of all, your sound, your genre, the way that you make music, the, the, the kind of music that you listen to, that will change every year of your life. I grew up listening to punk rock. <laughs> and then I listened to a lot of folk and singer-songwriter. Then I got into Swedish hooky pop music. I had a phase where I listened to reggae music. And now I don't even know what I'm listening to, <laughs> to be honest. And whatever I'm listening to at the moment will reflect in the music that I write. I think there's something to be said about actually being aware of your brand. So if you're going to be an independent artist, you're going to have to learn about business, marketing and branding because it's important. And why it's important is for the simple fact that your readers, listeners, they need to understand what you're about. So when I started releasing music, my very first EPs, they were kind of pop rock, way more band produced than than my music is now. I wanted to be in a band and I wanted to be in a band scene. Then I released some acoustic records because that's the kind of music that I started listening to a lot. And now the record that I'm making now, I would kind of describe it as ambient dark pop. So yes, being an independent artist gives me the freedom to grow and change and explore and discover new ways to express myself, both within music, but also in other mediums. This has uh, enabled me to try this kind of strange spoken word podcast thingy that I've been doing sometimes, or photography, or just, I mean, writing my books was a completely new way for me to express myself. If I was stuck on a contract with a label, 
they would keep asking me to write more songs until they thought that they had the 14 perfect songs that aligned with the vision that they had for me as an artist. So this is exactly what happened with my management deals. They had a very different vision for what I was going to be and do and sound like than I had. So in the end, they tried to push me in a direction that I didn't want to go in. And in the end, they said, well, if you don't want to go there, we can't work with you. So, yes, being an independent artist definitely gives you the freedom to make any kind of art you want in any way you want. Uh, But again, there is something to be said about having a clear idea of what you are and what you stand for. So, for example, my music, I... I'm all for exploring with my sound and trying out different sounds. Some more, I would love to make like a really traditional Americana record one day. I love Brandy Carlisle and Annie DeFranco and Damien Rice. I would love to make something like that, just acoustic and really pure. But I also love punk rock. <laughs> I also love super hooky pop. And I love reggae music. So one day I want to try out all those things. And, you know, what's important is that I will try all those things out, but there will always be me in there. My lyrics, my voice, and something that just like, you should be able to listen to that and still feel like, yes, this is the glass child. She has not lost herself. She has just grown and she's having fun and exploring. Um, yes, I hope that answered your question. Greta Leiterg. Oh, I totally busted your name. Uh, I I don't think you're Swedish, but in Swedish we would say Greta. How do you copyright your work? This is a great question. And actually I get this a lot from writers on Instagram who are scared to upload their writings. So I should say, first of all, the second you create something, you have copyrighted it. You own that piece of art all you need to do is find a way to prove to an you know eventual judge that you actually created this before someone else did when it comes to music for example when I write a song I usually immediately record a quick demo I uh, maybe just sing it into my program or even a voice message and I bounce it out because with that file they can always go back in and see when this file was created. So if someone in three years would release that song and they would say, no, no, we wrote it first, I can show to the judge, hey, this is the file that I created five years ago. I wrote it that day. When can they prove that they wrote it? And usually then, if you did it right, (laughs) they can't prove that they wrote the song before you. Now, Back in the days, what my teachers taught me in high school was that you should take this song and you should print it on a physical CD and you should send it on the post to yourself so that you get a stamp on it and you should not open the envelope when you get it. Because if someone would sue you, you take this envelope to the judge and you say, see, this, um, you have the stamp here with the date 
And in this envelope is the song that I wrote before I sent it to myself. Then you can prove it. But you don't need to go through that kind of thing today. You just need to have some sort of proof. Record it quickly, bounce it out, and keep it. When it comes to writings, a lot of people seem to be very worried about people stealing their words. And yes, it happens. I find daily really large accounts on Instagram who post my quotes and writings without crediting me. And it's super sad when it happens because if they could have mentioned my name there to their 5 million followers, I could have gotten a few new readers and fans and that's how I support myself. But the exchange is that I decide to not share my words on the internet. And then I cannot be a writer. I cannot be an author because I need people to see my words. So all you can do is to try to give yourself credit by having a website, uh, start a Goodreads account, post your quotes there. Because when someone Googles my quotes, for example, usually my website will show up and they can see that I wrote those words because I posted them first onto the internet. So I have a quote from my book, You're Doing Just Fine. And <laughs> that quote has been shared a lot on, on really big accounts. And it's really beautiful. And obviously it makes me so happy that people can relate to what I write. But that quote from You're Doing Just Fine has been stolen and posted uncredited so many times. Now... If you Google that quote, my name will pop up right away. And everyone can see that those are my words from my published book. So when there is a big account to publish a post with my words without crediting me, I basically reach out to them and say, hey, this is from my published work. My book is copyrighted and I ask you to give me credits. And then usually they reply saying, oh, we couldn't find the credit for this quote. Then I actually tell them, if you took one second, put that quote into Google, my name will pop up. You have no excuse to not credit the author if you find it. It's just laziness from those accounts. But anyway, to answer your question, how do you copyright your work? You just need to make sure that you have evidence that you wrote it. And people will steal your words and post them uncredited. But that's part of the job, I am sad to say. And you just have to kind of, you know, take the good fights and um, get on with it. <laughs> All right, my friends, this has been a long enough podcast. I really hope that this has been interesting for you and that you found yourself feeling a little bit inspired. Um. If you have any questions about this, please reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, you can find me under the handle Just a Glass Child. If you know someone who would like to be an artist, send this to them. Maybe it can help them. All right. Have a beautiful week, my friends. Bye bye.